Next year? All right. God willing, next year in Berlin. Second Timothy chapter four, as we continue our look through the, well, this section, section of scripture, my message is living for eternity. And I, well, as I pondered this thought, guys, I, I think that so many times in our heart of hearts, we know what we need to do, what we want to do. And yet I think sometimes we come across with mixed emotions. You know what I mean? Well, you see, there's, there are so many temptations that me and you face. There's so many times where, well, we want to do what's right, but, but there's still something tugging at us to do what's wrong. It's because the Bible says sin is fun. And Paul said, it's, it's the writer of Hebrews who says this, By faith Moses, when he became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Oh, there was no disguise about it. Sin, well, sin, sin has an enticement about it. it it's, it's fun, but it's, sun, it's fun for a season. It passes away. And I think sometimes we come across this, well, this battle, this struggle with mixed emotions. Someone told me the definition of mixed emotions was this. You watch your mother-in-law drive off a cliff with your new car. <laughs> I love my mother-in-law, I'm just kidding. It's here, this, this final chapter as Paul is writing to young Timothy. And it's, and it's like Paul's last words of, of being able to say, I live my life with no regrets. I live my life without having mixed feelings. I, I, I'm at the end of my life, and I can say this without a shadow of a doubt, that I've, that I've finished the race. Man, my prayer, my prayer is that I can finish the race with no regrets, without mixed feelings, without this. Well, you see, there was a time in my life where I had a lot of regrets. And for many of you guys, like myself, those BC days when before we were serving Christ, well, you see, there was my life was filled with regrets. I think even Paul the Apostle had that same feeling. That same thought, it was second, it was first Timothy chapter one, verse 12. He says this, and I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, and I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. You see those BC days before you come to Jesus Christ, we've done things that are unspeakable. Things that you don't like to think about, you don't like to talk about. But now we've come to Christ. 
And, and Paul, like us, it's that new start in your life where he said in 2 Corinthians 5.17, he says, if any man's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. And now as he's coming to the end of his life, he's able to, by the grace of God, say, I finished my race. I've done everything I can. Well, it's here. Look at it with me. Chapter, chapter 4, verse 6. He says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. And finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Well, Paul acknowledges the time of my departure is at hand. I'm about to die. I'm about to leave this life and go on to the next life. You see, we're coming to a place where you see, I just last month celebrated my 40th birthday. I don't know what it is about turning 40, man, but you start to think about different things. You start thinking, I'm at the top of the hill. And all it is is downhill, baby. I was, I, we were in a staff meeting. I had all my, my pastors together. We were sitting out just sharing with them, look, guys, 40 years old, I got 20 good years of ministry, and, and one, of, one, of my, one of my pastors on staff, Sam, he's like uh, 58 and a half, and he kind of looked at me like, you mean I only have a year and a half left? <laughs> <laughs> but you realize your mortality, you realize that you've only been allotted a certain amount of time. In a mortuary, there was a tombstone, and that tombstone had this this saying on it it said stop and pause stranger while you walk by for where you are now so once was I and where I am now so you will be so prepare to follow me someone had etched in the side of that tombstone these words to follow you I am not content until I know which way you went. <laughs> Paul had a confidence, man. He had a confidence. He knew what, where he was going and that he had spent his life with no regrets. He was living his life for eternity while he was on earth. And he's able to say at that opening part, I'm being poured out as a drink offering. What's a drink offering? You know what a sin offering is? It was, well, they would bring the animal over to the priest. The priest would slaughter the animal and they would place it upon the altar and it was to be aroma to God. A drink offering? Well, we know me and you have no ability to pay for the sin, the sin offering. It was what Jesus did on the cross, as so many of the guys have, have so eloquently put it. They told us that, well, you see, it's simply what Jesus has done for us that has made us clean. But the drink offering was something different. 
It was associated with, well, the offerings that were free will offerings. It was, it was taking this, this vase of, of wine and it was pouring it out onto the altar until it was completely emptied. And Paul is able to stand there and he was saying, my life has been poured out as an offering to God. My life is not my own. I have no rights over it. I have no, no ability to, to, to have claims to it. All I can tell you is that my life has been poured out for the kingdom of God. And now my departure's at hand. And you, so you look at the, the life of Paul and you realize he didn't have a big vast of wealth stored up. He didn't have his own house. Matter of fact, as he's writing this, he's in a jail cell. So how is it that Paul can sit here and say he has a life of no regrets, that he really has, he, he, he's really been successful, he's been a man who's lived with integrity, when you look at his life and you would see nothing of any earthly value? Because he had poured out his life for the eternal things. He had lived his life for the kingdom of heaven. He had lived his life in such a way. Well, he said in the book of Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, he says, But what things were gained to me, these I've counted lost for Christ. Yet I indeed, I also count all things for the loss, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ. He says, everything that this world had, and Paul could have been very successful. He was a very educated, a very successful man in the world's eyes. And he says, I called, I, I considered all of it as rubbish, as dung, cow manure. That's what he looked at this world as. That this everything this world has to offer you is going to perish. You see, I've been on the, on, on the bedside of several men who were about to meet their maker. And not one of them ever said, well, you know, my money, what's going to happen to my money? Not one of them ever told me, you know, what's going to happen to all my possessions? You know what their cry was? Where am I going to spend eternity? And what do I have stored up in heaven for me? You see, all of us one day, guys, all of us one day are going to leave this life and we're going to go into eternal life. And Jesus said it, what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and yet he loses his own soul? You see, God desires for me and you to live our lives for eternity. And Paul says, my life's being poured out as a drink offering. And then he says in verse 7, notice, notice the, the wording here. He says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I fought the good fight. I was in the middle of a war. I'm in, I'm, in a, I'm in a fight to the death. And he says that I'm in the last round of that fight and I still with all my heart am swinging. I'm still, I'm still with everything I have, giving it all for the kingdom of God. 
And isn't that how you want to go out as men? I tell you, that I, I, when, when, when it's all said and done, man, Pastor David's sharing about, you know, what kind of heritage we're going to leave and talking about, you know, Pastor Pete sharing about, you know, our families and all of these things and, and our funerals and what are they going to say about us truly. And one of the things as I, as I read this verse, I, I pray that when I die, that people can say that he fought the good fight with all of his heart. Because you see, I remember where I've come from, man. I remember those, those times when, when I, I, thought for, I thought I had overdosed on about three or four occasions and I thought I was going to die. And I remember on that time when I had almost overdosed, I cried out, God, if you save me now, man, I'll give my life to you. And I came that close. And I could have entered into eternity, man, and spent eternity in hell. And God, by his grace, man, gave me another chance. And you know what I go and do? I go and do it again and again until finally, man, finally it came to the end. And I told God, God, whatever you call me to do, I'll do it. And he sent me to Berlin. <laughs> and Paul is, he's, he's saying, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. He saw it as, as a competition. He saw it as, as something that I, I'm not going to surrender and I'm going to continue the course. I'm going to stay the course. It was back in, in chapter 2, if you'll turn back with me, just a couple of verses. It's there in, in verse, well, there in verse 2. He says, and these things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You, therefore, you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And no one engaged in a warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And the hardworking farmer must first be the partaker of the crops. Man, you know what I love about Paul? He was a man's man. He knew, he knew that the whole idea of athletics, he knew the whole idea of competition, he knew the whole idea of bearing fruit. And he comes to these guys and he says, guys, we're in a war. We're in a war. And we have to be careful that we don't entangle ourselves with the things of this world because you cannot be an effective soldier if you're living as a civilian. You have to be a soldier who's willing to endure hardships. You see, the Christian life is the hard life, man. It's easy to do what everybody else is doing. It's easy to go along with, with the crowds and with the flow. You see, but when you begin to live your life for Jesus Christ, you're going to have opposition. You're going to have 
direct opposition not only against people, but you're going to have opposition in the spiritual realm. Because Satan wants to destroy you and he wants to kill you. And he wants you to be an ineffective soldier. He didn't want you to win the war. And you were competing as an athlete. We're like the hardworking farmer who's tilling the ground and he's planting the seed and you don't see the effects of your, the, 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 the crops beginning to, to, to grow and, and beginning to produce fruit for, for months. You see, I remember, man, the first two years here in Belen, I was ready to quit. I was ready, I told my wife, you know what? I, I, think, I, think, I don't think God called me, I think I was eating bad burritos. I told her, let's pack up, let's just go back, you know, you know, just lick our wounds and just say, and I remember it was right at that time where God told me, you know what, are you going to obey me or are you going to disobey me? You see, God, God's called us to live a life of obedience, a life that's set apart for him, knowing that we have a hope. And that's what Paul talks about as he's writing this next section of verse. Look what he says there in verse 8. He says, finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. The crown of righteousness. You see, Paul, you understood something. I'm not living for earthly treasures. I'm not living for the things of this life. I'm storing my treasures in heaven. I want to live my life for eternity. I want to live my life for the kingdom of God. And my prayer this evening, this, this time, this day that we've set apart, that we wouldn't be just another conference we've attended. It wouldn't be just another time where we got together with a bunch of men and, and we, we lifted up our voices and I know all that was glorious and I, and I was enjoying it as much as anybody else, but that we would walk away from here challenged to live a life separate and holy and living our lives for the kingdom of God. Because let me tell you guys, just a group this size, if we were to get radical for the kingdom of God, what is God going to do in New Mexico and the United States and to the uttermost parts of the world? Seriously. But it's going to take us, man, to take serious the things of God. It's going to take us to stand up and no longer compromise in the workplace. No longer compromising with our friends. Not being just Sunday Christians but living the life because we have a purpose, man. We have a purpose and we know that our reward is in here. As I, Paul was saying here, he says, there's a reward and it's waiting for me in heaven. And then he says, not only to me, but also all who love his appearing. I'll tell you, man, the days we're living in, there's sometimes I wake up in the morning and I just go, Lord, maybe today. Maybe today's the day. I even got my kids doing rapture practice. <laughs> Man, we're getting close. And as we look at what Paul's heart is, as he's writing here, he says, you know what, guys? It's time to get serious about the kingdom of God. We looked at some amazing scriptures. 
some amazing teaching as God has spoken to many of our hearts. But just like Pastor Pancho was saying, you know what? Just sitting here is not going to change you, man. You know what's going to do it? Is that as we, on a daily basis, man, begin to apply what we've learned to our lives. It's about exercising the things that you learn. You know, you get all these exercise videos. And then, you know, I, I always think, you know what? I'm going to get in shape this time, man. He pop the video in. And then you go and get your donut and sit back and watch. <laughs> get a little thing of milk. And you watch, the, you watch them exercise and think, man, I'm going to lose some pounds today, baby. You don't lose no pounds. You got to get out there and do it in order for you to lose pounds. And the same thing when it comes to the things of God. You see, we can't just sit around and sit in a pew and hear the word of God unless we're going to begin to do it. That's what changes lives. It's doing the word of God. It's living the word of God. And Paul, at the end of his life, he's able to stand up and he says, you know what, I finished the race. I've stood the course. I'm, I am leaving this life and my life's been poured out as a drink offering and I don't have any regrets. I have any regrets. There was another guy. It's here in verse 9 and 10. Well, look at this, and we're going we're gonna to wrap it up here, but watch this. Be diligent to come to me quickly. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica. Oh, there was another guy that was traveling with the Apostle Paul. His name was Demas. And Demas was, was there with Paul this whole time doing ministry, but they came to a place in his life where he said, you know what, I want to live my life for this world, not for the kingdom to come. Because he saw Paul in the sufferings he was enduring. He saw Paul and he saw the, 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 the hard times that he was facing. And he said, you know what, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's really what I want to do. Let me tell you something, man. You have to determine in your heart, man, that I'm going to follow God with everything I have. Because if you don't make that determination, when the temptation comes, you're going to be drawn away. You have, to, you have to make a, a solidification and say, you know what? As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to seek the kingdom of God. We're going to put the priorities for the kingdom of God first in our lives, in our homes, in our marriages, in our community. Everything I do, I'm going to live my life for the kingdom of God. And that's my prayer, man, because you know what? Every day we have this opportunity. We have the opportunity to live our lives for this world, or we have our opportunity to live our lives for eternity. And I pray that we can stand before God and hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. I don't know about you, man, but I can tell you this for sure. In my heart, that's what I live my life for. To hear those words. Standing before Jesus one day and to hear the words, Ray, you were faithful with what I entrusted to you. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Man, that's going to be the greatest day you can ever imagine.
And that's that my prayer is that that's going to be the day that every one of us, man, as we stand before God, that we would hear those same words, well done, good and faithful servant. Because when you live your life for that, you will have a life of no regrets. You'll live a life without any, you know, looking back and saying, if I would have only done this or if I would have just, you know what, man, I'm living my life for eternity. And as we partake of communion this afternoon, as we acknowledge and we understand that Jesus Christ died on that cross because he loved us. And he paid the penalty so that we no longer had to be in bondage to this world or to the sin of this world. But he came to free us so that we can live a life for eternity with him and for him. And I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to close in a prayer. I'm going to ask the guys to come out. And we're, going to, we're, going to, we're going to spend some time worshiping together. But I challenge you this.